just get started in whatever it is. If if it's you wanting and you're you got a full-time job and you want to be an entrepreneur, get started. Doesn't mean you need to resign and you know mortgage your house and go all in on something, but build a website, you know, do a focus group on Facebook, you know, just do something for yourself as and 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 set this little pass fail ratio of like, hey, I'm gonna go and spend a thousand dollars on this, or I'm gonna spend two thousand dollars on my idea, and then get there. Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your Daily Helping. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard, and we have an amazing guest to share with you today. His name is Jeremy Delk. He's a serial entrepreneur with a passion for disrupting industries. And since 2001, his businesses have earned hundreds of millions in revenue. He's created hundreds of jobs, hundreds of high-paying jobs for Americans, as well as other notable distinctions. He's been featured everywhere. He's in Forbes, Inc., Entrepreneur, CNBC, Bloomberg, ABC, and others. Today, Delic Enterprises has holdings in biotech and healthcare, consumer brands, technology, building materials, and real estate development. Jeremy, welcome to The Daily Helping. It is awesome to have you with us today. Thanks for having me, Dr. Richard. Appreciate it. Absolutely. So, You've done so many amazing things. I know that you have a passion for helping people. Anybody who loves disrupting is automatically somebody that I'm excited to talk to because disrupting is great and it changes the world. But I want to find out your kind of superhero origin story. So, or story. So let's let's hop in the Jeremy Delk time machine. Let's go. Let's go back in the DeLorean. And what is your superhero origin story? What put you on the path you're on today? Yeah, so I mean, I'm a small town kid from uh, uh, grew up in Bardstown, Kentucky, which is like the bourbon capital of the world. So Maker's Mark, Jim Beam, all that is uh, in my hometown. So um, you know, grew up there. Um, you know, mostly a, a normal upbringing. Um, after I was ten, um, I lost my father when I was uh, seven to a tragic motorbike accident. Mm-hmm. So I would, you know, retrospectively, and you know. A lot of, you know, sitting on some couches and a few hundred thousand dollars later with therapy kind of, I think, looked at that as probably one of the, you know, one one of probably two or three pivotal moments in my life that really changed the trajectory. You know, prior to that, you know, it was very um, normal, loving kind of um, nuclear upbringing. And then, you know, my dad was a breadwinner and you see, you know, that just shift, right? Uh, young mother, I had, a, I had a younger brother who was two at the time. And, you know, that shift from stability to just massive instability, um, you know, at seven, you become quite cognizant of that. And I effectively had to kind of be the quote unquote man of the house, whatever that means. And yeah, so I think that that's kind of the, what, what really shaped a lot of probably where my drive comes from. 
um, and that determination of really kind of wanting to go and you know do more, see more, and be more. And I think part of that is because you're not promised tomorrow, right? So um, that's you know one big kind of piece of the of the story that kind of started there. Um, I was left about thirty thousand um, dollars in an inheritance uh, that was going to be used for college, and I was going to get that at eighteen. So. Um, when I was growing up in this very small town in Bardstown, you know, look at that kind of, uh, you know, big fish, small town or big fish, small pond mentality. I knew I was getting this money. I'm like, okay, well, what do I want to do? I, I knew I just wanted to get out. I didn't know where, but I wanted to get out of that small town. I loved it. Did really well. Girls liked me, all that stuff. But I just wanted to get out and change, uh, change it and learn and see something. So to me, that was always New York City. And <clears throat> the only two things I knew about New York was the mafia and wall street, right? It's like, so obviously watching movies, those are the two paths that you go. And my last name is Delk. So the uh, Italian mob wasn't going to work for me. Um, so I started like just reading uh, investor business daily and the wall street journal and just really kind of nerding out. Um, my mom had responsibly put uh, that money in Disney stock and 20th century ultra mutual funds. And uh, she was you know, kind enough. It was a custodial account. And then she you know, let me have trading access to it uh, when I turned 18 so um, I was, you know, self-taught. This is dating myself. This is probably 1997, 1998. Um, anyone with the market uh, knowledge of kind of what was going on there, was a lot of dot-coms, hot, a lot of high flyer stocks and stuff. I was able to trade that, um, you know, sitting in college on a Palm Pilot for, you know, $30,000, $40,000. And I grew it to about 2 million bucks um, until I was in, in 2020, late 2020. So in two and a half years, um, made a couple million dollars at you know 18, 19 years old, uh, which was pretty cool. Um, I subsequently blew that $2 million up in four days, which was pretty fucking awesome. What did you blow uh, it up? Well, I mean, the dot-com era happened, oh, right? Okay, so I mean, okay. yeah, so like it's, uh, you know, you're everyone's a genius in a bull market with, but I, I was just so self-taught and not naive and it was just easy and, you know, young testosterone-driven kid, plus all that money, like you couldn't tell me anything. Um, and that was, you know, probably pivotal number two, right. Of like, fuck, I, it was a really hard, hard lesson. And, you know, the world's over and I'm a failure and you just have all that self-doubt and hate and stuff. But, you know, the thing that helped me there is I didn't have a safety net. Like as much as my mom would give me the sheriff her back, that's basically all that she could give me. Right. And I already bought a condo my, my freshman summer. I bought a condo, um, and you know, I had bills at a nice grand Cherokee. So I had my options were either to pack it up and move back home. And that would have been my story or I'd go figure out how to go and make rent. And, and that's what I did. Um, went out and started hustling side jobs, stayed in school and uh, through a very crooked, windy path of uh, opportunities. I, I, I hit up with a guy um, that I was renting apartments. So I was at a, at a really nice townhouse and right beside me, there was luxury apartments. And this guy got relocated uh, to Boston um, from uh, I think he was from Chicago. Um, and he was in temporary housing with Fidelity Investments. And we just, I was getting a commission every time I would sell or rent an apartment. So we had these like little pool mixers. And at one of these mixers, I uh, just started talking about the market. And he was impressed that I had a pretty good understanding and breadth of the market at such a young age. Asked how I did that. And kind of told him the story. And it, <laughs> Obviously, thought it was stupid that I blew up two million bucks, but was impressed that I had even the acumen to kind of go through and do that stuff. So, um, he offered me a job, um, and you know, three months later, through background checks and you know all the stuff that takes on with a big multinational like that, uh, I converted to night school, 
and uh, started training for my Series 7 and, 60, and, and Series 63 at 20. So um, at the time, I was the youngest broker um, in Fidelity history to, uh, to, to trade stocks. I was trading institutional equities uh, up in Boston and then later to New York City. So I wrote a book that's behind me called Without a Plan. And I, there's a lot more details, but I, I had this dream to get to New York City it didn't ever include, you know, making 2 million bucks, blowing up $2 million, but that's kind of like the, that's an origin story up to my twenties pretty quick. One of the, the common themes I hear with people who create wealth when they're really young is almost somehow, some way they lose it and they, yeah. lo- they lose all of it. But it's, it's what happens after that, which is really seminal for, you know, foundationally what they're doing in the world today. Is that, was that the case with you too? Yeah. And look, I think it's the, it was the worst thing that happened to me at the time, likely the best thing that's ever happened to me in my life. Right. Because had I not, because it was just me, right. Had I not lost it all then I could have lost it when I was 30 and I had kids or 40. You know what I mean, so like, it's, you know, it, I, I'm a big believer that things don't happen to you. They happen for you, but it's hard in the fucking moment. You're like, dude, the world. So like in that moment, you're like, wait, yesterday I was a millionaire today. I'm worrying about how I pay rent. It's, it's a tough, right? It's a tough feeling, but uh, yeah. So let's take a few minutes. You, you mentioned it without a plan. Take us through a little bit about this book. Yeah. So book was a you know painful process. I don't know if you've done one, Dr. Richard or not. Um, I wouldn't wish on, on my enemy, but <laughs> you know, it's, it started off as a, as a business book and then we finished it and I threw it away. And I threw it away because, you know, it felt a bit disingenuine because while the stories were real and the content was accurate and, and we did a good job of really backing up references and things, I felt like it was only telling half the story. So, you know, being an entrepreneur or being in business, I mean, in these things, it's sometimes it's a very lonely process, right? And we have the human emotional side that we don't really talk about a lot uh, and the personal side, right? And business is personal. So uh, the book now turned into more of a, you know, memoir-esque business book, right? So it's telling a lot of personal, and that was the hard part, right? It's kind of telling a lot of really hard personal stories about growing up, losing my dad, and really kind of drilling into a lot of that, which I think, um, you know, we've all experienced loss. I'm not special. We've all experienced loss, but most of us don't deal with it the right way. So I kind of showed those things. I showed a lot of vulnerabilities in my personal journey. And then how those correlated to the business side, right? And the overall theme was, um, you know, the, the subtitle is a, a memoir of unbound action and failing my way to success. So it's really just pushing and kind of getting someone to, to take the first step. That's that's the most important thing, right? I think so many good ideas and businesses don't ever get started because we're so scared of failing and we never get started. And that's the other piece is just, you know, you shouldn't be scared of failure. It's really about embracing failure. and that's where the learning happens, right? It's not when you're 19 making, so I was not learning at that point. I was just doing my thing, making money and it was fine. But if I would have been learning, I understand how do I protect this? How do I go through and scale it? If I, if I would have been open to learning, um, then I may, I may not have blown that up, but it's hard to do, right? So you, when you, when you have those failure events, you're forced to kind of look back and triage to, uh, to really learn. Or you can feel bad about yourself. So those are two different choices. And I really look at failure as a learning opportunity. And that's kind of what I talk about a lot. Hey guys, Dr. Richard here. 
For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you, and I can't wait to see where you'll go. That resonates with me so strongly. Uh, for those who have listened to the show for a while, kind of the, the seminal moment for me was when I broke my spine. Um, I started my first tech company in my early 20s and uh, thought life was amazing until a kid ran a red light and, and broke my back. And at the time, that was pretty horrible. But much like you and, and your lessons, that was for me the best thing that it could have ever possibly happened because it totally shifted the trajectory of my life. And, and so uh, this story very much resonates with me. So, it, and I know a bit about this book. I, I know that this book really is for the entrepreneur because entrepreneur, people think entrepreneur is the sexiest thing in the world, right? And it's, I'm my own boss and I can go to the gym when I want to get a haircut whenever I want and do all these things. But there's, there's great things about entrepreneurship. There's not so great things. And then there, there's stuff that'll, that'll rock your world. So, Take us through, you know, some of the some of those things that without a plan guides us through. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think you you hit the nail on the head, right? I mean, I love Damon John and Cuban and the guys at Shark Tank. I think it's phenomenal and it's a great entertaining show on ABC, but I think they've done a disservice. I'm a firm believer that you can't make an entrepreneur. You either are one or you're not. I think you can make a great business person. I think you can make a great leader, CEO, all those things. But entrepreneurship is sometimes a lonely, masochistic part of life that, you know, I don't, you know, I was wish on anyone, but for people that have it and, and, and are wired that way, you wouldn't and couldn't choose anything that, you know, your way. So I told you up my, my, my up story about, you know, being at Fidelity, I was living in New York city, living in Chelsea, killing it, making great money, girls, young guy, I mean, living life. But what would happen is I would like have all these ideas and I would pitch these ideas to, you know, you know, that my, my boss is right at fidelity. And every time it was, you know, just like, yeah, kid, no, nah, just keep, keep going, just keep your head down, keep doing your thing. Like I actually, to, to even overcompensate for this, you hear how I speak. I don't sound like I'm from Kentucky. I sound like I'm from New York. Right. Um, definitely not a country twang accent. And I actually convinced myself, well, fuck, maybe my ideas are good but it's because I have this accent that they're just still shooting him down. Like that's what kind of sh shaped how I even, you know, speak and my tonality, all those things to, to try and get them. Cause I knew I had good ideas, but they just kept on pushing him down. And then towards the end, I would just start making shit up that were so, so inconceivable, but just like, just to see they would bite on anything. And what I learned, and they said, you know, just keep going to keep doing your thing down. Cause these guys are all millionaires, all making, you know, million dollars a year, doing really, really well and living a great lifestyle. But in corporate America, it's not about disrupting, right? And you're not you don't you're not paid to be creative. You're paid to do a job and and do it well and execute and kind of stay in your lane. And I saw at a young age, like fuck, I think this is where people like me go to die, right? Because I think if I would have stayed there for another five or ten years, you can. I mean, it's like you know getting waterboarded, right? I mean, you're 
you're going to just start losing some of that stuff. When you just kind of like the negative reinforcement over and over again, you're like, fuck it. Like you're going to conform. And I think that's what made me leave at 21 and start my own company, Delk Enterprises, which is you know 20 plus years old now, um, was because I, I wanted to just do it my way. And at least I didn't know if I was going to make, as, I didn't know if I was going to make enough money. I didn't know if I was going to make as much as I was making then. My parents thought I was crazy because I was making both, more than both of them combined. And, you know, but I did it. And I think me losing that money and pulling myself back out, I think it was, is what gave me the confidence because so many people don't have the confidence um, in themselves that they can pull it off, right? So they just stay, right? They just stay in their lane and going forward. So I I, I try to share in this book and hopefully my stories in, in the good and the bad, right? I've had some bad setbacks, right? You know, um, but I, I'm still here and I'm still moving forward. And if, if you really look in like your audience, if you, if you really look inward to yourself, there's a time that you can think back to, or maybe a couple that you thought your world was over. Like it's all over. I'm losing my business. I'm, my wife's leaving me. All these things are tragic. But then if you look back, fucking still here. Right. And I think that's what we fo- so quickly forget is you know, humans are quite, you know, a resilient species. Right. And we can overcome a lot of these things, but most of the time we're, we're our own problem because we're in our own head. Make sense. No, it's, it makes total sense. And, you know, like I said, you know, for me, you know, that car accident I felt was pretty much the end of my world, right? And I'm sure for you as a 20-year-old having, you know, millions in the bank one day and the next day it's all gone, your life is over. It's it's out of adversity really shapes who we are. And I, I think you said it really well. In those moments, you have two choices, right? Now, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but you either you know get mad at whatever deity you believe in and shake your fist at the sky and you blame them, or you say, "What can I learn? What can I yeah. do differently? How can I be better from it?" Yeah, and 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 throwing your fist at the sky is good. I I think that's part of it. You you need to do it. Just hurry that fucking part up. Right? <laughs> like, cool. Oh, feel bad for yourself. Wow, what well, was me? Great, cool, awesome. Not none of that's productive. It may make you feel better. It may get you, and dude, like four days after I, I, I bathed myself in Jägermeister and like, you know, like watched Maria Bartiromo just like rip my heart out. Fucking my, I think that was my process. Right. And I felt bad about myself and, and this is, I'm a victim and whatever, but being a victim and being, you know, all these things didn't pay my mortgage or my car payment. It just didn't. Right. And that was that was the the piece that you can you have to go through that process and you've got to kind of grieve and be upset and that's okay. Don't live there. That's not productive. Right. No, absolutely. And, 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 the, and the Lippmann's test is like when you, when you kind of go through it a little bit, the Lippmann's test is like, great. Yeah, you're right. This, uh, this sucks. It happened to me. Yeah, it's crazy. But is anything I'm doing right now helping me change my current state? And that's it. And if you can be honest with yourself, like, no, it's probably not. It makes me feel better. Okay, cool. Well, then- how long do you want to feel better? And then, and then how much time do you want to spend on actually fixing what you, what you need to do? Now, I, I love this. this. This resonates with me. This is, I, I'm sure, touching people who are listening to this. Uh, I, I want to talk, though, about strategy. So if you're listening to this, you're nodding along, and you're like, yep, this, this sounds like information I need. What are some strategies that you've utilized to avoid some of those pitfalls of entrepreneurship and, and find success? Yeah. So, I mean, you mentioned disruptor and I don't know, I, I think I've been called that. I've been called a lot of things, I'm sure, but let me, I, I want to tell you about my approach, right? So I, I think, you know, you can't go into things just trying to be a disruptor. 
it's a wrong, it's a wrong approach, right? Hey, I want to go through Dr. Richard does these assessments. I want to disrupt the, the assessment industry, right? And that's what, that, if, that, if that's my mission and I want to disrupt the, the assessment industry, you know, okay, that's, that's, that's my, that's my North star. Well, everyone does it through, you know, these, you know, multiple choice questions kind of go through the rank, rank things. I want to do it where it's, you know, um, you know, visually based and they just, you know, they, they just look at their eyes and they, and they go left or right, like something like just completely abnormal. That would never work. It would never work because like, you're just trying to disrupt for the sake of disrupting where I've been successful. And it doesn't always work by the way. Right. I think that's important too. I've, you mentioned my my CV of a bunch of Inc. 500 companies, all that stuff. There's a bunch of those. There's way more fucking failures. So like, don't don't get it twisted. Like, I've got I've done some good stuff, but I've done a lot of you know trash too. So, um, but you can't go into the mental. I just want to disrupt for the sake of disrupting. Where I've been, where like lightning in the bottle happens is when you are passionate and and really you know just viscerally excited and. Um, you know, yeah, viscerally excited and passionate about changing and solving a problem, right? That's it. For me, it started and in, in, in like, I got really, really excited about healthcare at my own healthcare journey and, and whatever, but I was just in, in rage and in passion. Like, how do I make this better for not myself, for everyone? Note, I didn't say make money. It, it, I wanted to solve this problem. The money kind of came, right? But I wanted to solve this problem. Where I've been able to become a disruptor, and it's happened two or three times really, really well for me, is I don't give a fuck, and I'm sorry if I curse a lot, I did live in New York a long time, but I don't give a fuck about how it is done. Period, end of story. I may have an understanding of competitors. I may have an understanding that Dr. Richard's assessment is a little bit, but I, I have some understanding, but I don't really care because I want to formulate my own approach to do it. Oftentimes, you're going to be told that it will never work and it's crazy. If you get that, fucking keep going because you're on the right track, right? <laughs> if you get that, you're fucking great. It, then you're on the right right track. Um, I saw a meme yesterday, and I'm going to digress. Uh, uh, I forget his name, the, the founder of um, uh, OpenAI and ChatGPT. Like this, is like three years. He's like, yeah, we're, we basically we're you know we're we're building this engine, and we've made a soft promise to our investors that once we get to scale and enough data that we're going to ask it how we should monetize. And he got fucking laughed out. And then like the meme right after that is like all the deals, you know, what, what uh, obviously what's going on with chat GBT, but everyone literally laughed at him when he said that. Um, so digressing back to my, my point, it's, it's really just kind of, you know, obsessing over a problem that you are wanting to solve and, and understanding the why you want to do it. Right. And it can't be for money. It has to be like, I want to do this because of, Manny or my man, or I've got an accident, what, whatever it is, you have to obsess over that problem and then really focus on the customer, whether it's B2B, B2C, what, whatever, what's that customer thinking? Where are they in, in their psychological, you know, frame when you're presenting with them an offer or learning about your product, good or service, where are they? And if you can put yourself in their shoes, then obsess over like, Hey, if I, if they don't buy my good product or service, I failed. Like I, you, you've like you really let them down, and, and their life's not going to be as good without it. Like that's the level that you need to be, con, you know, convincing yourself. Obviously, it needs to be true that that's where they are. So, going at a with that mindset, I think is probably half the battle, and that obsessive component of you know looking at things in your way, not caring about what your competition does. Because I I do a ton of consulting, ton of coaching, and like. Most of the CEOs that I that I I, I consult with, um, or entrepreneurs, whomever, like they start telling me all of the things that their competitors are doing. Like, I don't have competition. 
I don't, right? And that's what I tell myself. There may be people in my business, but I do things in my, in my industry, but I do something just way different. That's how you need to go through because you're wasting time. You, you got to be aware, but be laser focused on what your, your, um, your journey is. Um, then the second piece of advice that I kind of lean in as the biggest component is just get started, right? I mean, that's the biggest piece that I've heard so many people that have looked for money from me or tried to you know, pitch an investment idea or just told me over, over a cocktail, this great idea that they've got. And like, wow, that's great. Where are you at? Oh, well, I haven't really done much yet. It's going to change the world, but I haven't got started. And that's this deep root component of what people are going to think of you if you fail, um, which is a whole other segment probably. So I, I, I love this. Um, give us a few, you said, which, you know, everybody who's an entrepreneur, you know, probably has some degree of failure along the way with one or two other projects. I think, I think I read the average person who you know, has a net worth of a million or more has failed seven times before he figures one out that actually works. Uh, but with the entrepreneurial ventures that have crashed and burned, Jeremy, uh, what are some of the pitfalls and red flags that you can alert people listening to this to that maybe they could avoid? Yeah, I mean, I think once you think you're the smartest person in the room and you've got it all figured out, you feel that like you're just like going to work and you're like, fuck, man, I'm just, I'm just, it's all working. Like I'm good. Once you have that level of like swagger and confidence, you need to pull over and just fucking grab a pad and paper and then just start to really reassess. Like, okay, cool. This is awesome. This is really good. But am I learning? Am, am I, am I, am I on everything? Right. Because once you get comfortable, like, like, and look at and every entrepreneur, let's, let, like, tell me if I'm wrong. I wish you, I do live shows too. So I, I ask people to call in because I'm, I like fucking just throwing out challenges. But, you know, when you have no money at all, no customers, like what you are so fu- like, you are, what am I going to spend this money on? What's that ad copy going to say? Cause I need this ad to convert, right? Or what, what's, the, what's this conference I'm going to go to? You are so focused on, you know, what you're going to do with this resource to get the result because you don't have another option, right? When you're super successful and everything's really kind of flying and going through, you get lazy, right? I mean, you've got consultants that have that manage consultants. You're just throwing money everywhere. You're just kind of going through and you, you have a lot of seepage and it's okay because you're making so much money. That's when there's an opportunity to really learn and you could really take it from that level of scale. So you're doing 10 million to go to a hundred or hundred to a billion, you know, it's those kind of breakpoints in business that you kind of give it either you stop learning and you get complacent or, you know, you're scared to break something as well. That's the other piece, right? Hey, I don't want to go through and expand. I don't want to hire this, this new company. I don't want to buy that company um, as a bolt on acquisition because you're scared of what might change. It's those pieces. Most people only try to learn and do these assessments when it blows up. I try to really look at these assessments when things are going really, really well, because that scares me because I've seen them go the other way, right? Love it. Jeremy, uh, our time together is has just flown by. Uh, loved how refreshing your wisdom is. As you know, I, I ask everybody who comes on this show, one question, and that is, what is your biggest helping, that one most important takeaway you'd love for somebody to have after listening to our chat today? Yeah, I mean, I think believe in loving yourself, man. I think, you know, the, 
th- I talked a little bit about these ideas. So the answer to your question is just get started. Just get started in whatever it is. If if it's you wanting and you're you got a full time job and you want to be an entrepreneur, get started. Doesn't mean you need to resign and you know mortgage your house and go all in on something, but build a website. You know, do a focus group on Facebook. You know, just do something for yourself as and 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 set this little pass fail ratio. Like, hey, I'm going to go and spend a thousand dollars on this, or I'm going to spend two thousand dollars on my idea, and then get there. And then predetermine what failure and success looks like, right? And if, hey, I've got 100 people that like it, then maybe I go and spend $2,000 here. But just get started. Life's too short, man. And, you know, tomorrow isn't promised. So, yeah, that's it. I love it. Jeremy, where can people find out more about you online and get their hands on your book? Um, so books everywhere, um, Audible, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, where, wherever you, you would uh, get books. Um and it's called Without a Plan. And then I'm Jeremy Delk. So jeremydelk.com, Jeremy S. Delk on all socials. Perfect. And we'll have everything Jeremy Delk at the show notes for the, in the dailyhelping.com. Well, Jeremy, I've loved our chat. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's been awesome. Thanks, Dr. Richard. Appreciate it. Absolutely. And I appreciate each and every one of you who took time out of your day to listen to our conversation. If you liked it, if you were inspired, if you learned something, go give us a follow on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review because that helps other people find the show. But most importantly, go out there today and do something nice for somebody else, even if you don't know who they are, and post in your social media feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping because the happiest people are those that help others. Mm-hmm.